listening to a Bored to Death Mando cast, talking all things Star Wars in easily digestible chunks. Hello again, ladies and gentlemen, another assorted gender assignations. Welcome back to the Bored to Death Mando cast. I'm Jay, being joined by Chris and no Zeke. Uh, this time, uh, he's on vacation with his wife. Uh, hope he's having a good time. We're behind a couple weeks. Just life got in the way. Yeah. Sort of Scheduling and, and everything. Um, but so we're back to catch up on le- the last two episodes of The Bad Batch. Uh, when we last left them, uh, Omega had been uh, abducted by Cad Bane, who was going to deliver her back to the... Uh, the Caminos. The Kaminoans, yeah. <clears throat> for a moment, I couldn't remember the name of their race for a second. I was just like... Hey, Those long-necked aliens. That looked like a stretched-out <clears throat> gray. Um, so more Fox Mulder is pissing his pants. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Cad Bane ran headlong into Fennec Shand, who had been hired by um, one of the other... Uh, Kaminoans, who had basically been objecting to the Prime Minister's plan. Because the Prime Minister, since the clones were being phased out in favor of conscripts, he wanted to basically be like, we're just going to make better clones. But the problem they had is uh, Django Fett's DNA sample is starting to degrade. And so they need as pure a DNA sample as they can get. Like for instance, from a Gen 1 clone like Omega. And seeing as how they probably don't know where Boba Fett is. Yes, as they basic, as was uh, established in the previous episode, there are only two known Gen 1 clones in existence. Alpha, Boba Fett, and Omega. Who doesn't have a, an established name. Well, that, outside of... That Omega is her name, basically, as far as she knows, because... Yeah. Uh, Alpha is just what the, the Kaminoans called him, but uh, when they gave him to Django as his payment, Django named him Boba. But um, we still don't know, have any real, any additional information on why they made a female clone, <laughs> uh, or who her other uh, genetic donor would have been. But um, well, like I said, if they're able to make clones, they can change the chromosome. Yeah. And this is true. This is Star Wars sci-fi. You know, they sort of hand wave the science sort of thing. It's just sort of like it's fine. They did a little bit of tinkering on the back end to make sure that everything worked, and it didn't just sort of turn into some sort of nightmarish, you know, kill me abomination. Like I mean, in, I mean, uh, if, I mean, like if, in Alien Resurrection when well, they found that's, the, that's the, actually what I was going to bring up was, and I mean, come on, in Alien Resurrection, they made a Ripley clone that had a clone of the. Uh, the xenomorph queen inside of her from Alien Three. Yeah, um, and the some of the genetic crossover from that is why there were all those other failed Ripley clones in the, in the lab that she set on fire, which uh, Ron Perlman's character is just sort of like well, waste of ammo. <laughs> or the way Spoonie put it, "What an angry lady, waste ammo." <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, the Batch managed to rescue her, uh, Bane. Sur- survived, but uh, you know his ship was sabotaged, and Fennec just sort of g- got away because, of course, she did. We know she does. 
Um, this is one of the things that, you know, jumping back and forth in the Star Wars timeline does. It's just like, you know certain characters are going to survive. <laughs> and they're meant to. And they're meant to. Like, um, Fennec Shand, because she shows up in The Mandalorian. And she gets shot by the... Ma no, she doesn't get shot by The Mandalorian. She gets shot by the other guy. Uh, yeah. Um, I can't remember his name now. A one-off character. Uh, yeah, the Unless they bring him back for season three. I somehow doubt that. Um... Or Book of Boba Fett, where she hunts his ass down and shoots him. He got blasted pretty hard by Mando, and Mando's not the kind of kind of person who's going to leave that sort of thing to chance. No, <laughs> I wish. I mean, twice. the only reason Fennec survives because he is because the other guy shot her in the in the gut and didn't bother to double tap. Whereas Mando double taps. Yes, <laughs> if he doesn't just disintegrate. No, I forget what did he use to kill the dude. Uh, we gotta rewatch that episode because I can't yeah. remember. Anyway, um, but we all and throughout, during all this, we know the Empire is getting things is sort of organizing things for their uh, tyrannical rule of the galaxy by you know declaring all Republic credits are no longer are no longer valid or accepted within Imperial space. Uh, but you can tr trade in your Republic credits for full credit and new Imperial shiny new Imperial credits. All you have to do is give us a sample of your DNA. <laughs> And, and sign up for a register. And, yeah, then you're good. Just, um, I just want to be that one guy that hands him, the, hands him his pair of underwear and walks away. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there have probably been a few of those. Um, just one of the things that, it occur that occurred to me while, while I was waiting for you to, to get ready to come down so we could record this is Palpatine clearly had, had things in motion before he uh, straight up declared the, declared the Empire. Oh yeah, it's called pre-planning. Yes, but it's just like the whole economic change, you know, with no Republic credits, Imperial credits thing, happened within a few days of Order 66. <laughs> and Order 66 was when, uh, was basically when the Empire more or less kicked off. Yeah, the uh, full, you know, his whole speech where he declared the Republic, or the Republic was dead and everything, happened like a just a couple days after that, but it's just sort of like, and then it was a couple days after that big speech, suddenly the, the chain codes became a thing, and it's like, this is the only way you're going to get Imperial credits now. So it's just like, yeah, he had a lot of pre-planning in place, and I appreciate that Filoni and Favreau, while they're not straight up uh, expositing all this stuff, they're at least sticking little things in there to indicate, yeah, uh, there is stuff in the background that sort of makes this stuff work. Sure, it breaks down later, but, you know, they knew what they were doing. <laughs> they, they had to plan everything, like, like leading up to them actually working on these shows. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. Like, like, like it, what was it in the second episode of Mandalorian, or second or third episode of Mandalorian, where he finally drops the baby off? Yeah. Um, it was episode three. Because episode uh, two was all about him having to get his parts back shit. Uh, oh, no, no. It was the first one when he was accepting the payments for the bounty. Oh, yeah, it's like Imperial credits aren't worth much anymore. <laughs> yeah, he's like, you know, the Empire's gone now, right? Uh, but he then he tries to give him, like, like two or three other forms of payment. And I think he ends up taking the Imperial credits. No, he ended up taking like the little jelly tab things. The uh, calamari, the moncal, whatever. The moncalamari shit, or whatever it is. It's just sort of like and even then, that was, like, worth less than what the Imperial credits would have, you know, were nominally worth. But then again, Imperial credits aren't worth much anymore. It's like he ended up taking what what forms of payment were still were still viable. 
and even then he acknowledged it's not as much as it should be, but this is that's because this is the only currency that still floats. <laughs> um, but so now we've got a couple couple episodes, and from the uh, blurbs here on the on here, we got one that's going to focus some on the batch, and one that's going to probably bring uh, Crosshair and the Empire back into play. Uh, first episode is Common Ground. The Batch has their ideally, ideology challenged. <laughs> I completely screwed that up, but I'll you try. I'll come back for this for the second one. Devil's Deal. As the seeds of rebellion foment on an outer rim world, the Empire schemes to squash it. Better because <laughs> I had to do do my like uh, my imperial propaganda or republic propaganda voice from like Clone Wars. <laughs> but uh, needs a little more practice, but you get it. Yeah, because well, unfortunately, the guy that did it can't do it anymore. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But, um, going back to the whole, it's like, you know certain characters are going to survive thing. This is one of those cases where some of the side characters, like Fennec. We already know she's going to survive. We know she's going to survive, but the Batch, Omega? We don't know. We we have no idea. It's uncharted territory, and that's what makes this so so interesting to me. It's like, again, with like Clone Wars... You knew that Obi-Wan and Anakin were, and Padme were all going to make it out of their various adventures alive because it took place between episodes two and three. And all three of them were in episode three. You knew they were going to make it. And that uh, Ahsoka was going to survive the last three episodes of Clone Wars because yes. she popped back up in Rebels. Same with Rex. You knew that Rex was going to survive. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, everything else was all up in the air. With Rebels... It was, again, some of that uncharted territory stuff. You didn't know who was going to survive, who wasn't. And that's where we are here with Bad Batch and with, with The Mandalorian because it's post-Empire and none of the characters that we're, that we're meeting are, have, have turned up or turned up in the sequel trilogy. So it's like, it's completely up in the air who survives, who doesn't. It's like what they kept saying in the uh, original Mobile Suit Gundam, who will survive? Who will survive? <laughs> um... But yeah, so two episode binge, and then we'll be back to discuss. So that I think will wrap up this intro, mm-hmm. and we'll see you after the binge. Hey, while we're watching this episode, you should go ahead and toss us a like and subscribe. If you want to reach out, do it via our social media on Facebook or Twitter at BTD underscore bingecast. The Board to Death Clan is part of the CKCC Radio Podcast Tribe, including Jay Bunny's Music Hub, The Race Nerd Podcast, Real Paranormal Talk, Ranking Tracks, Motivational Moves, Park Hopper 101, and The Nerd Table. Imperial credits may not be worth much, but remember to support CKCC Radio on Patreon. I have spoken. And we're back. So, uh, I was... Sort of, sort of right in that uh, we were going to see more of the Empire sort of setting things up for their uh, tyrannical rule, but they put more, it was sort of across both episodes, but I wasn't quite expecting what we got in the second episode, but we'll get to that in, in a bit. Uh, the first one, Common Grounds, <clears throat> sort of touched on the fact that this is just after the end of the, of the Clone War with the, with the Separatists. And we went to what was actually the separatist capital, Raxus. Right. Um, It wasn't, you know, it was was when they mentioned in the episode that it was the former capital of the the separatists that I was like, 
was that the planet that we saw in Clone Wars, where there was like an episode where we saw Count Dooku actually sort of like serving as like the Chancellor and the equivalent, their equivalent of like the Senate. Uh, we're talking about the oh, you said Clone Wars. Clone I was thinking Wars. Attack of the Clones. <clears throat> um, and I actually did look it up while we were watching. Yes, that is that same. That, it is that same planet. So, um, but episode basically opened with the the Imperial Governor tr- giving a speech in 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 the capital city and like a, in the big plaza, being like, "This is for your own protection, for your own safety." We are working towards making a unified, uh, unified galaxy. We swear, a, we are here to protect you. Th- we are doing this in your best interests. <clears throat> Meanwhile, their fingers are crossed right behind their back. No, it's, no, their fingers are more just sort of like hovering just over the blaster. <laughs> just sort of like you don't want to. You know, it's like we're doing this in your best interest. Don't make us get. Don't make us get rough. This is the easy way. And of course, the people there are just like ha. Bullshit. Yeah, everybody. All of these civilians are like, you're the you're the ones trespassing here. We don't want you here. We can, you know because you know they've been fighting against the clones and now they've got clones occupying the planet. Uh, and the governor tries to force the senator for uh, Raxus uh, to give a speech in support of the empire, and he can't go through with it. Uh, basically incites civil unrest, so of course they send in the tanks. Um, and the, the clone walkers. Yep. And but before he gave his speech, he told his like uh, protocol droid, uh, "If I get arrested, then follow my instructions to the letter." And so his instructions were to get word to Sid, and you know have have him get rescued and extracted off the planet. And so, of course, it goes to Sid, and so naturally she sends the batch <laughs> to go to go deal with it. But given that they've just returned from rescuing Omega from Cad Bane, Hunter's just sort of like, we're going to a planet that's <clears throat> crawling with Imperials. You're staying here. Yeah. Um, she's not happy about it, especially when Sid just tosses her a sponge and is just sort of like, get to work. <laughs> <laughs> Yay, child labor! <laughs> And then I said, well, I mean, we saw that predominantly a lot in the movies. Especially in The Last Jedi. Oh, God, yeah. Um, and as I, as I commented, it's like Han was sort of being forced to be child labor for that uh, weird grub crime lord thing. In, that uh, was sensitive in to Solo. Solo. Um, and now in Omega's case, while she's stuck there... Sort of moping, Sid tries to be like, "Stop being so helpless." <laughs> uh, if you if you think life isn't fair, then get off your ass and do something about it. More or less is what she is more or less what she said. And she then is sort of watching later as Sid is playing that like hollow like uh, like monster fighting game. It's that it's that game that we saw in the Millennium Falcon. Atu, I suggest a new strategy: let the Wookiee win. <laughs> Um, but, you know, Sid is playing it against the two barflies that we see in every single scene inside Sid's. Because those are the only other patrons in there. Or the, or at least her two regulars. And Omega sort of glances over at, at Sid and is just sort of like, I wouldn't make that move if I were you. And Sid's like, oh, what are you, an expert or something? She does her own move. She loses, a, she loses one of her little monsters and she's like, 
All right, expert, what would you do next? And so she just walks over, taps a couple buttons. Boom, Sid, wins. Sid ends up winning the, winning the match. And then Sid's like, how did you know how to do that? It's like, I've got a good head for strategy. And so then she basically decides to have Omega start playing games for her, you know, you know, for money. And it was just sort of like, what's my cut? So it's like 30%. And, and she thinks about it as like 60. <laughs> you know, kid drives a hard bargain. But back with the batch, batch isn't very happy about being sent on this run because they're being sent to a separatist world. They were in the in the Grand Army of the Republic, which fought against the Separatists. <laughs> but, um, yeah, uh, they uh, do, they go through with it anyway, despite their their whole reservations about the whole the whole thing and everything. And they manage to get the governor out of there. Um, and it's basically more of the start of the, uh, of the rebellion starting to coalesce very, very quickly. It may not necessarily all, all the various parts of the rebellion may not coalesce into the rebel alliance until much later, but we're seeing the initial sparks that will eventually set the galaxy afire. <laughs> Literally, um, and it was—I mean, it was—it was a, it was a pretty, pretty good episode. Um, again, sort of showing the early days of the Empire as it's uh, starting to get set up to be the tyrants that we all know and hate. Uh, and But it was the second episode, Devil's Deal, that both of us, when, when, we, when we realized who we were seeing, because the episode dealt predominantly with events going on on the uh, Twi'lek planet of Ryloth, and, and which we saw in uh, the Clone Wars series. There were a few episodes that focused on things going on on Ryloth because they'd been occupied by the Separatists. The Twi'leks needed help fighting fighting them off, and so they sort of reluctantly let the let the clones come in to assist with that. And now now we're in the now the Clone War's over, and the planet senator, big fat motherfucker named uh, Ta, is just sort of like I think there was a construction sign underneath his fourth chin under construction fifth chin. <laughs> I mean, the guy's the guy is yeah ridiculous fat. He has four of those like uh, lekus, you know, the little head tendril things. I was thinking it's kind of like what um, Ahsoka has, but I don't. Ahsoka's a different race. I thought she was Twilight. No. Okay. She's a she's a different race. I can't remember what off the top of my head, but no, she is not a Twilight. And you know, we know it. And now I know it's actually pronounced Twilight, which is what I'd originally thought. And then there was some episode of either Rebels or Clone Wars where they pronounced it Twi'lek. And so I'm just like, okay, I guess I was wrong. And then in this episode, they pronounced it Twi'lek again. So I guess, I guess some people pronounce things differently. It's pronounced Twi'lek in, in the Rylothian. <laughs> because they all spoke with French accents. That they did. Um, as you, which, as you pointed out, because this was dealing with the Empire moving in to occupy Ryloth now, was very much like a France under Nazi Germany <laughs> sort of vibe. Yeah, but it, it, in this case, it's more like if Great Britain invaded instead. Well. Oh, they did try for world domination at one point. Well, it's not like the, the, uh, 
French. It's not like the British didn't try that try that a couple of times. But at any rate, um, but the big thing in this is that this was essentially a prologue episode for Rebels, because the episode focuses on the Sindulas. <laughs> Uh, General Cham Sindula, his wife, and their daughter, Hera. <laughs> yeah, the second she popped up, and then Chopper popped up, I was like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. Well, and, like, then, and then, like, I guess at first we didn't think that it was actually him, and then he started and then making... And so, the... <laughs> we're like, oh my god! <laughs> oh, yes, it's, it's Chopper. Well, it's like, and I would had a moment prior to Chopper popping up, when the name Sindula got dropped in there, and they mentioned Hera, I was like, wait. Wait a second. Wait, wait. And then when Chopper showed up, it was just like, oh my god, it is! So that means we've already had three characters from Rebels in this. Uh, we've, you know, so we've had her. Chopper. Yeah, and Chopper. You know who the other one was. He was in the first episode! Why am I going? He was a why? youngling. He was the youngling that took God, that's right. Oh, yeah, Jesus. I completely forgot. <laughs> Freddie Prince Jr.'s character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Still sounding too much like him. They didn't pitch shift his voice quite enough. Uh, they should have just gotten a creepy uh, 13-year-old to come in and voice him. I mean, it's whatever. Um, but the episode was very Batch-light. Um, yeah, they literally appeared in one episode, which, to be honest with you... In like one scene. One scene. Yeah, episode. which uh, I... I I know that there are, like, episodes of, like, other shows that have done this, mainly live action. I wasn't expecting this for a CGI TV show. Mm-hmm. Like, for instance, the Doctor Who episode, Love and Monsters, who the fan base absolutely hates, oh, yeah, is a sure. Doctor Who, or, or, excuse me, it's a Doctor and companion light episode because the Doctor and Rose are barely in the episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there is also it was a, very much a bottle episode. Essentially, yeah. And there, you know, then there were the bottle episodes of Star Trek throughout the franchise. Mm-hmm. And because they blow the budget on all these other things, and they're like, "What can we do that's light on budget? Pretty <laughs> what, much. what scripts have you got that we can that we can use like, to throw in it for an episode?" Like I was thinking of the uh, the Star Trek Enterprise episode, uh, the one where Archer's dog gets sick and he has to spend like a day or so in. Uh, sick bay, and so the majority of the episode takes place in the ship's uh, sick bay. Yeah. Um, so they only have to use one set, basically. It's one set, limited actors, um, and it's basically because they're trying to save budget money for like a much bigger episode. Yeah. But in this case, I don't think that helps when your show is entirely CGI, and especially when one guy does like half of the voices in in the show. Yeah. D. Bradley Baker is just like, I'm getting paid per character, right? <laughs> if he's smart, that's what he did. Um, but while the Batch themselves were only in one scene, Crosshair was on the planet. Um, we saw him in uh, basically, you know, in his Elite Squad uh, armor, but now wearing like a regular Elite Squad helmet. The one that he'd been wearing previously was just sort of like an Elite Squad version of his Bad Batch helmet with the eyepiece. I can't remember. Was that helmet damaged in the last episode? I don't remember. Uh, But I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, We only briefly got a look at at his face in this episode in like one scene. He was in the background sort of out of focus. And the one time we got anything like a close-up... His, he was mostly in shadow, but you could see he had some scarring along the side of his head. 
not unfortunately anywhere close to where the the surgery usually gets done to remove the chip. But yeah, he's he's showing some some signs of damage, but we can't really tell how bad it was. Um, then again, with Bacta, I suppose I don't I don't know, man. If a Bacta tank can't fix Darth Vader's fourth degree burns, <laughs> I don't think it's gonna fix that. Well, I mean, in Vader's case, it's because he practically fell straight into lava. Well, uh, in in uh, and Anakin all. Uh, all Anakin was wearing was basically his Jedi robes. Whereas Crosshair, yeah, he got blasted. He got a face full of uh, ion engine to the face. Uh, a face full of ion imagine engine. Imagine if to it the was face. at full blast, though. Well, I mean, it's. it. Well, imagine if they hadn't blown the cowling off of, off of the thing. You know, that it had been more sort of concentrated. Yeah, it probably would have been worse. But he was also wearing armor. So that would probably have. His 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 wounds weren't anywhere near as extensive as Vader's. No. Who also let's remember is at least a triple amputee, quadruple. Was, was it all four? I, yeah, I could have sworn he still had like one arm left. Uh, it's been a while since I've seen episode three. Yeah, um, he lost his legs. For yeah, he both lost both of and his he, legs, and I think he lost <laughs> his right arm because that was the one that Luke cut off in uh, Return of the Jedi and saw that it was also mechanical. And when he had that that realization that he's trying to turn me into another into another Vader, um, like father, like son. Yeah, basically. Uh, maybe it was. Maybe it's a quadruple amputee. Regardless, he lost at least three limbs. And <laughs> that does not going to grow that shit back. No. Um, but yeah, crosshair was very much sort of lurking around in the background, and my phone just decided to blow up for some reason. Anyway, um, but yeah, it was just. The main thrust of the whole thing is that Hera very much wants to sort of be a part of what her uncle is doing. Her uncle is still basically organizing more resistance to uh, outside occupation. I, I imagine that if he gets free, he might be one of the founding members of the rebellion. Maybe given there was a there were some episodes in Rebels that focused on what was going on. Because when Hera went back there, like Thrawn had occupied her, her family's, like mansion or whatever. I need to go back and rewatch those episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, but regardless, uh, at the beginning of the episode, when uh, Fat Todd gives his gives his speech, trying to convince the convince the Twi'leks that the war is over, it is time for us to put down put down our essentially put down our our. Uh, swords and take up the plowshares kind of thing, uh, but they'll the, protect us. You just get back to work. Yeah, it's it's time we rebuild. After, you know, well, they did say they did say that the empire did open up a bunch of new factories on the planet and therefore create a bunch of new jobs. Yeah, <laughs> the, the whole sort of like it's like we're helping you. We're helping create jobs for you, sort of thing. Jobs that are on the planet. We're not outsourcing this 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 thing. Now get back into those coal mines. Yeah. Uh, or dudium, I think, is what they uh, mining or whatever, or they had refineries for. But uh, yeah, the Twi'leks are very much just sort of like we can take care of ourselves. Why do we need your protection? And it's not until uh, General Cham uh, gives his own speech, encouraging them to lay down their weapons. And in his case, it's like he's been fighting for 
most of his life, and he's just tired. <laughs> he's just like, I want there to be peace. So I'm and getting... it's like the war is over. <clears throat> we can now live in peace. But now he's got to form live la resistance. Well, it was more that his his brother, or at least his partner, um, uh, what was it, Gobi? Yeah, it? yeah, Gobi is just doesn't trust the empire. Neither does Cham's wife, if we're honest. Um, and of course, they're right not to. Don't trust the empire. Um, but, and in Hera's case, it's like she kind of wants to uh, work alongside Gobi and whatever he's up to. But her father's just sort of like, we're, you know, it's like, I don't want you to, I want a better life for you. I don't want you to spend your life fighting like I did. Oh, the irony. <laughs> Because uh, we know what happens yes, to her we later do. on. <clears throat> um, it happens to her fairly quickly, too, based on the rest of the episode. But uh, And so when Gobi like, has like another sort of mission, she goes to him and is just sort of like, I can't come with this time. And he's just sort of like, we're not doing any more, we're not doing any more spy work. This is just a supply run. <laughs> and she's like, I know, but I can't, I can't go. He's like... Well, that's a shame. I was going to let you fly this time. Because <laughs> he knows what she wants. <laughs> okay, I'm coming with. Yeah, basically. He's, they, not, he's not letting her do takeoff and I, landing, I, I, but... <laughs> I mean, she was... Well, I mean, it's like letting your kid park your car for you. Hmm. Um, and, uh, but there was, you know, the scene earlier on when she was laying down on her back and she's watching the birds fly by and she's mm -hmm. got her hand in the air she's acting like you know like it's a Do, doing that like that like uh hand wave you know wave form sort it, of thing it's a it's a i don't remember which one it was but in one of the, like the later robotech films uh, one of the pilots in it was doing that where he was standing on like a pier and he was doing the same motion with his hands hmm. it was almost the, it was almost like that i wouldn't be surprised if that was intended to be a reference it wouldn't surprise me um Given with those po how popular Robotech is, but at any rate, uh, so they she goes along with them on this little supply run. They land on the on like the nearby moon, not realizing the crosshair has tagged the ship with a uh, with a tracker, and but they land on the moon there, which at least has an atmosphere, so they don't have to wear like. Yeah, I was confused by that because I was looking at it, I was expecting to walk out with like. Something on, some sort of like face mask, there. something like a suit or something. But then again, you don't really see a whole lot of spacesuits in Star Wars. Um, uh, but, not full spacesuits, they'll have like the little clear, like face masks things, like Han and Leia had on in Empire Strikes Back when they're in the giant worm, yeah. Um, um but uh, yeah, they get out, and I was like I said, I was expecting spacesuits, nothing. Yeah, nothing. I was but like, it's not like we haven't seen that there are there are planets that have moons that also have an atmosphere. Endor, Endor. Um, there's a you know a whole bunch of a whole bunch of that. Like some of the some of the uh, in like Mandalorian space, you know, th there are planets that they live on. And then there are also moons that they that they live on. So this is probably a case like that. But it, re regardless. Uh, so Gobi and them wait. The batch arrives on their in their ship, bringing out some uh, guns and uh, thermal detonators. And Omega and Hera just sort of see each other, and they kind of just kick it off. Yeah, and Hera's just sort of like, "What kind of ship is this?" And Omega's happy to tell her. And then she's like, "Can I take a look inside?" 
Hey, can she take a look at Sack? Uh-huh. Yeah, and Come Hunter, Hunter just turns, looks and just sort of nods, and so she show, shows off everything. <clears> and, and Hera's like, have you ever flown, flown her? And Omega's like, no, Tech won't let me fly until I can recite the ship's specifications from memory. <laughs> <laughs> Which, to be... It's, yes, you can sort of understand, but at the same time, it's like, dude, she's like, what, 10 years old or the equivalent of? She's got a study. Yeah. Yeah, studying. But, uh, and Hera's just sort of like, flying is about more than just specifications. There's feeling to it. And, you know, the two very much, like, kind of hit it off before, you know, Hera has to leave uh, with with her uncle. And Omega's like, she's a little strange, but I like her. And it's when they get back to Ryloth that things start going south. Because, you know, the Empire's waiting Crosshair shoots down their ship by just taking out one of their engines. That was a good shot, too. Oh, it's Crosshair. Either way, it was still a good shot. True. Um, and, you know, then the, the shuttles fly in, they capture them, they find the, they find the smuggled weapons on there, and that's when General Rampart, who I forgot to mention was also sort of hanging out on, on Ryloth because the refinery that they have... Uh, that the Empire built there is part of some plan of his. We don't know the specifics exactly. But, so, but Rampart and Fat Ta uh, show up there, and they they arrest them all and decide to, you know, ship them off to stand to basically face the punishment for treason. No trial necessary, of course. But the main reason that they're going along with this is because they're trying because they realize General Cham, charismatic leader, possible problem if he if he gets fed up with imperial rule because the people will follow him. They don't like Ta, but you know, Cham, yeah, they they follow him. So, but they can't move on Cham because he hasn't broken any laws. And despite the fact that his daughters on this ship that had been smuggling weapons. That does. That's not enough of a link, but they know. Hey, if we uh, announce that his daughter's been is gonna has been arrested for treason, uh, he'll make a move. Especially if word gets out that you know he's that we're gonna execute them. And sure enough, <laughs> that's what happens. As the as the Twilight uh, Resistance fighters uh, move in on. Some speeder on um, some blurgs and some and speeder bikes. Yes, the actual right. big ass blurg things from Mandalorian uh, are in this. Yeah, it was just like in a background scene. I was like, "Is that a blurg?" And it was in a later scene. I was like, "I wasn't paying attention to what they were you sitting were, you on." Were, you were focusing more was, on the characters. Yeah, I, I didn't notice it until a later scene. I was like, "Oh, okay, it is." Um, but yeah, and General Chan manages to take out some uh, speeder bike clone troopers. With basically a javelin. <laughs> I mean, that thing that that like he was literally just chucking a spear at them. <laughs> at them. Whatever works. Exactly. Well, it's not like the it's not like the, that armor is necessarily capable of standing up to blunt force trauma. As we've seen. Yep. We remember that. We remember episode six of Mandalorian season two. That was a great episode. <laughs> when Papa Boba showed up and started whooping ass. <laughs> He's like, I don't have to ask you to make you go cut a switch. I got one right here. <laughs> wham, wham, wham. <laughs> but while they man, while he manages to uh, 
stop the tr the transport. Rampart is savvy enough to be like, just tell his like clone bodyguard stand down. We will surrender. And that's when, as this all this whole thing comes out, Cham like has a blaster right to Fat Ta's throat. <laughs> it's just sort of like you arrest my daughter and 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 say she's guilty of treason. <laughs> He's ready to shoot, but his wife is just like, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. And she and she sort of glances over her shoulder at Hera, at Hera, who's in a land speeder with Chopper, and it's like, no, oh, she's watching. It's just sort of like, take the moral high ground here, and Cham does. <laughs> Problem is, he might have the moral high ground. Crosshair had the actual high ground. <laughs> he was way up there on that. Yep, damn just mountain. chilling out there with his rifle. And once it became clear that uh, uh, Cham wasn't gonna wasn't gonna take the shot, uh, you know, Ramparts just turns to turns to Taz, just sort of like, "Well, thank you for playing your part." Gives the nod, <laughs> boom, headshot. <laughs> One single headshot was all that was needed to take his ass out. Well, I mean, it's that the fat on his head is not going to stop a blaster bolt. Oh, he just needed a few more layers. <laughs> I mean, I still don't know how how well that would have worked, and because the only witnesses to that are Hera, scared little girl, by her by herself, Chopper. And, well, if Chopper was even paying attention, and if he would even bother to testify, this is Chopper we're talking. Oh, about. Chopper! Can you tell us what happened? What? Well, no, it's like they might have somebody that can translate, but it's just like. Chopper, tell us what happened. Womp, womp. <laughs> He'd just be like shaking his head. Cro um, crossing his little mechanical arms. Yeah, he can't really cross cross that, that much. <laughs> and then Hera's just like, I've been meaning to extend those. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's clear what their plan, what the Empire's going to do is just say that Cham killed him. And then arrest him and his, him and his wife. And continue with the occupation. Hera manages to get away because when... The sh when the shot happens, uh, her mother just turns like, Chopper, get her out of here, and just, he's, he's, he just zooms off. And it's just like, it's a prequel episode for, for Rebels. And they it ended on enough of a cliffhanger that I suspect we're probably going to get a continuation of sorts in the next episode. Do you think that we're going to get, um, I can't think of the other character's name from um, Zeb. Zeb? I don't know. He'd still well. It's possible that we might see some stuff going on on his home world. Because I know that he said that he his race and the Wookies are allies. If I remember correctly, that's what he said. Hey, you know, I wouldn't mind seeing. You know, there are so many ways they could throw in all sorts of fan servicey stuff like that. You know, like in in the remaining like five episodes of the of the of the series because it's a sixteen episode uh, series. Um, we got five more to go. Yep. And well, and this is just season one. It could be they could they could tell more depending on how the season ends. Um, and I'd be and I'd be fine with that. There's you've got like what eighteen to twenty years to play with in terms of uh, what's going on uh, between between essentially the end of episode three and. Uh, Beginning of episode four. Yeah, there is. It's 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 roughly like two decades. You've got a lot of time you can play around with. Yeah, uh, I mean, there's. I know that there's gaps. Like, 
And I'm not saying we need to have... Like, like they, 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 they could also fill in the gap between episodes one and two. So they could show what happened between Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones. Cause, yeah, because there was a, like a, a good... I don't know how long between... Well, you gotta just they gotta think of how old Anakin is in episode one and how old he is by Attack of the Clones. Yep. Still a Padawan at, by that time, too. <laughs> Sporting the little ponytail thing that Padawans have. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Yeah, I'm not saying that st- future Star Wars properties need to fill in the gap, fill in every single stretch of time. Not, you know, having... Periods, you know, having like the gaps between uh, the trilogies gives you a good, gives you like a full generation of events to to happen that characters can refer back to. It's like, and the, you know, in the original trilogy, it was just literally just names thrown in there by the writers, and then it was during the Legends expanded universe that like every single writer and fan wank was just sort of like. Filling in the, you know, basically came up with a story for whatever it was. <laughs> like this is what the, this is what Lando did at the Battle of Tanab, <laughs> you know, kind of. Or thing. this was uh, Han Solo uh, doing the uh, the Kessel the, run. The, the Kessel run when, in twelve parsecs or whatever, and then the movie comes out and it's just like, yeah, none of that shit matters anymore. I mean, they still had black holes in there, or at least a black hole. Uh, that was a scary ass black hole, man. Yeah, uh, but in the Legends continuity, uh, the it was you know the black hole near Kessel was actually like twelve. It was that, and it was called the Maw. I think it was still called the Maw in yeah, in it Solo, was. but it was but in uh, in the Legends continuity, it was like a cluster of black holes like all around one another. But there was a space in like the center of it all, uh, where the Empire actually like established a weapons development. It's a hell of a spot to place weapons development. Yep, uh, and that's where they developed uh, the Sun Crusher, which was a, a ship with a particular with like a very hard to damage hull, but it also was armed with a uh, like a like a torpedo kind of weapon that could collapse a star. So, it's the weapon from Star Trek Generations. Got it. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> or if, or if you, you, like, instead of, like, consuming a star like Starkiller based and then shoot, it basically was just sort of like, and you're, I'm going to just delete your star. It's like, so we're going to shoot that missile into that star right there. Bye. Have yeah. fun freezing to death. Um, the Sun Crusher was, uh, and the Maw installation and everything was introduced in the uh, Jedi Academy trilogy by Ken J. Anderson. Um, I remember that because I read those books several times when I was like a teenager. So, By the way, uh, back to the directors for yeah. Book of Boba Fett. Yes. I had to look it up because they did re- uh, release the names of some of the directors. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Robert Rodriguez yes. <laughs> already directed several episodes. Ooh. Uh, John Favreau, Bryce Dallas Howard, and Dave Filoni. So basically, the same sort of the same crew that they kind of had for a lot of the episodes of Mandalorian. Yeah, but well, I, granted, Rodriguez only did the one episode. Yeah, but, but it was they, one of the best episodes. They, 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 probably, they were probably like, "Oh, hey, every, we love the episode that you did. We think you did great. The fans love it. Do you want to direct the majority of the episodes for uh, Book of Boba Fett? Sure. Do we know how many episodes it's going to be. 
Um, according to IMDb, um, which is not always accurate, but no, but it's close. Uh, they have seven episodes listed. Last time, previously, all I'd heard was that it was going to be four episodes. So hey, that's already better. So who knows? Heck, what... maybe it was just like Boba Fett was received so well in Mando season two that they were like, you know, they may have already had plans to do Book of Boba Fett, but then they were just like. We're just gonna stretch it out a little bit more. <laughs> we're gonna add a little bit more. But they've also confirmed that other bounty hunter characters are gonna appear. In oh, the of show. course, because it's not just gonna be dealing with uh, Boba, you know, taking over Jabba's empire. Uh, it's gonna, I think, flashback to show what he was doing in his earlier days, both uh, after he escaped the Sarlacc and like before everything happened in uh, the original <clears throat> trilogy. You know, sort of showing maybe some of his rise to becoming one of the most notorious bounty hunters in the galaxy. And uh, I'm honestly wondering if whether or not he, pe- <laughs> he had to take the armor off his off of Jango Fett's body. Oh, because he did say the armor was Jango's. Yeah, but it the the armor would have been taken off his body already. It was probably more just a matter of getting the armor back from whoever had it. It quite literally is a hand-me-down. <laughs> more like a head-me-down, but anyway. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we. It just brings to mind like the how it act, how it should have happened moment from uh, <laughs> from episode two when <laughs> when you see Jango's head just slowly fall out and then plop. To yeah, the when when Boba does the forehead touch thing to his father's helmet and then the. Just head. <laughs> I just like, like imagine what it sounded like when you could hear it sliding out. <laughs> thunk. Big wet, meaty thunk. Uh, but it was a good couple of episodes, you know. And just the Star Wars Rebels prequel of uh, Devil's Deal was just very much like put a big grin on my face. You just, you were just excited to see Chopper back. Oh yeah, I love Chopper, <laughs> especially when. I saw a supercut of somebody like taking all of like Chopper's quote unquote dialogue from Rebels uh-huh. and realizing that no, it's like he's actually talking words with with all with all that. Like, you must, you gotta be kidding me! Like, wah, 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 you know, kind of thing. Or well, like one time when uh, he got frustrated with something, just sort of like, and he's you know, or like thinking something's so unfair and, is, and he's literally like what the fuck <laughs> but it like you know it's like wah, wah, wah. Somebody, somebody did the same thing with Bumblebee and Transformers Prime because he kind of t- he, he doesn't use the radio to talk like what he does in the movies mm-hmm. uh, it's almost somewhat similar to the way Chopper talks but it's more of a wah sound to it um, because he does have a mouth that's just that because of his his Throat injury. Throat, because of his throat injury, he can't talk normally. So somebody actually went and added uh, subtitles to this to what he was saying. <laughs> but they also did the same thing for Soundwave, and Soundwave doesn't talk at all in Transformers Prime. He he has one line of dialogue in it in the entire show, and that was it. Um, but for the most part, it was just him. Like complete sounds and subtitles right below it. <laughs> just him, it's like glares silently. <laughs> Basically, uh, but yeah, it was a good couple of episodes, and you know we got five left. Um, I'm and assuming Ryloth is going to get at least one more episode worth of focus. Five episodes of Bad Batch, one episode of Loki. 
Yeah, that's right. We've got Loki. Uh, we got one more episode of Loki. And for those of you who have listened this far and have wondered why we weren't doing a Marvel cast for Loki, life got in the way. Uh, so we're just going to wait till the show We're just going to do a rap cast. Uh, it's not going to come out this week because Zeke's not here. Uh, you know, he, he's been watching it also. So next week, expect us to record a rap cast. And so expect that for Loki. But Mandalorian, uh, not Mandalorian, Mandocast continues for Bad Batch. And after this, uh, next time you'll get any sort of Mandalorian from us will probably be Book of Boba Fett. Yeah, because anything else, because I know, else Star Wars I know, I know Book of Boba Fett is supposed to come out before season three of Mandalorian. Yeah, um, they may have been intended to do it like back to back, but then COVID, and so they I think pushed the, that sort of delayed some of the filming for season three. But regardless, um, yeah, the Ma- Mando cast. Well, I know John gonna, Favreau's got to do some rewrites. Yeah, Mando cast is is gonna continue to cover all things Star Wars. Uh, whenever, what was it? What's that new animated one called again? The Visions for Star Wars. Yeah, it's, uh, it's Visions. Star Wars Visions. Uh, I think if if I remember correctly, I think that was the one where. Um, it's different. It's more like an anthology. Yeah, series. it's it's kind of like uh, the was it Animatrix ha- no, 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 or no, no, Halo no. Legends? Halo Legends. That's what I was thinking of. Uh, well, Animatrix and Halo Legends were both kind of the same idea. You know, telling I, stories from you know from the setting with different animators. And uh, like, yeah, because uh, I remember like well, I know that some of the animators are from Japan, so we're gonna get that Japanese anime style, but it's gonna be different styles of yeah. anime style. Um, so. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to that one. Imagine if we had like a Miyazaki style Star Wars. Imagine if we had a Miyazaki style Pokemon series. I don't want to think about how weird that would be, but it tell, would look, tell me that a Miyazaki Star Wars wouldn't be awesome. It would, it, it would. But tell me, okay, so how about this one, live action wise? Uh-huh. A uh, Seven Samurai style story with Jedis, directed by Zack Snyder. We've already had Seven Samurai in Star Wars twice. There was the, there was that episode of Clone Wars, and then there was Sanctuary from Mando season one. Well, I'm talking about a live action movie. A live action a live action movie with like, yeah, that would that would be kind of awesome. The problem is, how do you make anything be a threat against seven Jedi? Oh, it's got to be some. The war with uh, the Mandalorians. Okay, yeah, or or some maybe maybe back in the you know uh, Republic versus the Sith Empire days. Yeah, yeah, but but you know Jedi versus versus some like Mandalorians. Because if you because that, that now now you've got me interested. I want to write that script now. Because <laughs> if you remember, what was it? The reason why the man the, why the Mandalorians stopped fighting is because they realized the Jedi were too strong, so they waited to get stronger. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Seven Samurai style story like that. Yeah. Anyway, we're just rambling now. Uh, we should. I'm gonna go ahead and wrap this up before it turns into a full on ramble cast. Uh, but yeah, that uh, wraps up this edition of the Mando Cast. So for Chris, I am Jay, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to a Bored to Death Mando Cast. Be sure to check out all the Star Wars content on Disney Plus and give us a like and subscribe. This is the way.